0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're going back to Kingdom culture, and uh, I'll tell you why. Is because I remember back in 2015, I did my first ever series on the end times, and I had been a person who said I don't really care about the end times. Even as a preacher, I'm like, I just figure out I'm going to go to heaven anyway. So it doesn't matter how that plays out. So I didn't ever study it. I didn't ever teach on it. I just kind of had a whatever attitude about it. Not like negative. I just, you know, whatever happens, happens. And um, I felt the conviction of the Lord saying how, like I had the thoughts, like how can I tell God what I'm going to teach on and when I'm going to teach on it. And so he began to speak to me about that. And I remember during that series, there was some point during that, that I made the statement that I felt like I was born for this time. And uh, I believe that. That's not arrogant about me. We were all born for this time. I just feel like there's a certain assignment on my life that God has asked me to speak into certain things. And uh, I don't really like it, but it's still there. And so that's what's going to happen today is that I was gonna move on to Holy Spirit and then I saw what was happening in the world, what's going on in the world around us. I was getting messages, I'm getting texts, I'm getting whatever, emails, people about what's happening in their world, decisions they're having to make for their families, for their kids, for their jobs. And I realized I can't, uh, I never wanna be a place or a pastor or a church where we come in here and we talk about things that are irrelevant and we ignore the pink elephant in the room of what's going on in the world around us every single day that I believe that people are looking for leadership in this time, that people are wondering where to go, who to turn to, where to where's the truth coming from, and uh, who's gonna speak the truth. And uh, I'm not saying to follow me by any stretch of the imagination. I look at myself more like the traffic cop who's standing there at the intersection telling people which way to go. I'm going to point you to Jesus. I'm gonna point you to the Word of God. This is the truth, this is the way, and this is our life. And so Dawn and I were traveling the other day, going somewhere, and we're talking about some events that were taking place. And I said to her, I said, now more than ever, we have got to be grounded on the Word of God. We have to get our positions, we have to get our philosophies, we have to get our thoughts right from the Bible. If we don't, we will miss it, we'll be deceived. And so let's look at that. Let's jump in. I've got a lot to talk about, and I realized in the first service I'm only going to get to about 18.5% of it. So (laughs) we'll do the best we can. So kingdom culture. We love the Bible here at the Rhodes Church because we think that's the place where we get our truth from. It's where we get our strength from. So we love the Bible. We get a little excited when you open them. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, let's open up to Matthew chapter 13. (laughs) Woo! People a little bit Crazy. But crazy in a good way, cray-cray in a happy way, <laughs> crazy about Jesus. Matthew chapter 13, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break a lot of rules of modern day preaching today. What I mean by that, see, some of you are excited, some of you are real freaked out. What I mean by that is that what they teach us now is to not use too much Bible. And I get why they're saying that, because you, you can just give scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, and people don't remember all of them, and they say, just use a little bit of Bible, and then use a bunch of illustrative points and stories to bring it out and highlight it and make it understandable, and I get it. That's a great way to teach the Word of God. But today, I'm going to go back, I'm going to just give, hopefully, a lot of Bible in the time that I have left. I, have a, I came with 74 slides ready to show you today. We're not going to get to all of those. But uh, I, I'm going to give you what we can in the short amount of time. But I, I believe we need to get back to believing what the Bible says because we're getting opinions and ideologies and concepts from Snapchat and Twitter and Fox News, CNN, whatever your news media outlet is. But we cannot get our truth from there. We have to get our truth from the Bible. And if that's old-fashioned and archaic and whatever, then that's whatever that's an opinion. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. All right, let me go. Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to start reading in Verse 36. Slow down. Before I start reading in Matthew chapter 13, verse 36, I want to say something quickly. Today is a special day. It's the last day at church for for someone very dear to me. My brother is going to be leaving and moving, and he's got another job opportunity, and I'm so happy for him and proud of him, and uh, so I want to take a moment, don't clap yet, but I'm just thankful, you know, they say, well, how do you do this about it? everybody leaves? No, but not everybody's been beside me for 49 years of my life, and uh, I, l- I love him so much, and I just want to honor him, because he's deserving of honor today, being his last day here, so my brother, Mike Everett, I just want to honor, could we give him a hand? I love you, buddy. He loves that. (laughs) Oh, man. He is such a hog for attention. Let me, Matthew chapter 13. (laughs) Oh, oh, he's the best. If you had a, if you had a definition in Webster's Dictionary of a big brother, you could put his name there. He's the best. So now on to the Bible. Well, Matthew chapter 13. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't read a thing, but we'll wing it. What's it say? Yeah. It says, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and the disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And Jesus answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. Talking about Jesus. Jesus is the son of man. Son of man. Why is he called son of man? I thought he was the son of God. He's both. He's the son of God because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and not of Joseph. He's the son of man because he was born of a woman. So he's fully God, fully man. Son of man. The field is the world. Okay, check that out. The field that we're talking about in the parables in 24 through uh, 30, over there on the other part of Matthew chapter 13, the field is the world and the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. Now, before we go any further, notice what's happening. Big picture, here's what I come to bring today, is a big picture perspective to our world. Because what I'm concerned about is what's sneaking in, it's not really sneaking in, it's running in, to the body of Christ is where we're getting our perspectives and we're hedging our positions on issues that are not eternal. Eternal. And bringing division and and divisiveness amongst people. And we're not loving each other. We're not open to opinions anymore. We're just cornering ourselves off. And I want to bring some big picture perspective back to the church. All right, here we go. So in the current age that we're living in, the field is the world. The world is right now. What's going on every day that you wake up 24-7, here's what's happening. Before Jesus' return, number one, Jesus is sowing seeds into the world. Those seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Sons doesn't mean boys. That means people. So every day, Jesus is sowing sons into the kingdom. That would be mankind, male and female. So he's putting his people, sons represent people, he's putting his people into the world. He's sowing them into the world. Number two, Satan is sowing his seeds into the world. We have sons of the kingdom and sons of the wicked one. There's no third category. There's no, well, I'm really not a Jesus person, but I'm definitely not a devil person. I'm kind of somewhere, there's only two. You're son, if you're not a son of of Jesus, son of righteousness, then that means you're in the category of the son of the wicked one. Well, I never signed up to be the son of the wicked one. We are born into being sons of the wicked one. We don't sign up for it. We sign up to get out of it. That's a whole other sermon. We're born into sin, but we're born again into righteousness. Okay, so two seeds being sown. So there's people that are serving the kingdom of God, and there are people that are serving the wicked one in the world today. Tracking? Tracking? All right. So now here's what's going to happen. Verse 39b, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. So there's coming an end of the age. It's called the harvest. So the sowing age, when Jesus is sowing people into the world and the devil's sowing people into the world, that sowing age is coming to an end. And at the end of the sowing age, we'll start a new age called the harvest age or the end of the age or the reaping age. What do I mean by that? Right now, we are in a sowing age where you can start and begin whatever you want. You can serve Jesus, you can serve yourself, you can do whatever. It's the sowing season. As long as you're breathing right now, you can change your life. That's a sowing season. You can sow new seed today before you walk out of this building, before you turn off the screen. You can sow new seed. We are still in the sowing age, but there's coming an end of that age, and at the end of that age, it's the harvest age, and there's no more sowing. How you is is how you is. You can't change. It can't be, oh, sowing age is over. Okay, I want to give my life to, too late. That only happens in the sowing age. But Jesus says there's coming a harvest. And the, the, the sowing of the devil into the world is going to come to an end. His days are coming. His days are coming. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom. We do speak wisdom among those who are mature. He's talking to believers, followers of Jesus. We speak wisdom, right? We do speak wisdom. Yet... Not, now he distinguishes what kind of wisdom, not the wisdom of this age. There's an age that we live, sowing age, and he says, we speak of a wisdom that's not of this age, nor the rulers of this age. So what he's talking about, there, are, there is wisdom of this age and there are rulers of this age. But this age, it says here, they are coming to nothing. So there's an age that's going on right now and there is wisdom of this age and there are rulers of this age, but that age is coming to nothing. When the rulers of this age will stop and the ruler of the next age will take over, the wisdom of this age will stop and the wisdom that's beyond this age will be evident. Track with me for just a moment. He says, now, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The wisdom of this age and the wisdom of this uh, and the rulers of this age are going to come to nothing. When I talk about the wisdom, here's what's, here's what's hurt religion a little bit. Religion has tried to pit faith and intelligence in two separate corners. And so religion tries to come across, we're people of faith and all those intelligent wisdom people stay out there. That's the problem. Because people, followers of Jesus, you should be intelligent. Intelligence, I don't have to go in time to this, but intelligence in the wrong category is foolishness. When I talk about intellect, I'm not just talking about what you can get on your SAT scores, but neither am I negating what you can get on your SAT scores. We've thought sometimes that intelligence is bad or a handicap. Intelligence is a gift from God. Intelligence not used in the right category is foolishness. Let me give you an example in the Bible. He says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For he who says, for is written, he who catches the wise in their own craftiness. So what do we want to be wise about? When we're talking about current events in society, about what's going on, I've had people say this to me, Chad, now you need to be on the right side of these issues. I'm like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Which side are you talking about? I don't want to be on the right side or the left side, the conservative side or the liberal side. I want to be on Jesus' side because Jesus' side is the side that at the end of this age is the one that's going to stand. Everybody can debate right now, and that's fine. You can have your opinion. You can take Jesus or leave him. That's fine. But I know this age is coming to an end, and when it comes to an end, the wisdom that I'm talking about is going to supersede the wisdom of this age. And then everybody will go, I'll be jiggered. (laughs) Foolishness. What they were saying was right. So let's look at it. Let's look at it. All right, so what's going to happen? Um, The harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. At the end of this age, what's going to happen? The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. See last week, last week's message. Then the righteous will shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So there is an ultimate end coming of this age. And there is a destination when harvest time comes, we will all harvest what we sowed in this age. In this age, we will harvest what we sowed here. All right. So what are you sowing? Do you want to reap what you're sowing? Just food for thought. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 24. All right. We got to step on the gas. I'm going to show you some scriptures, but I want you to see it from the Bible. I'm shooting for that 18% again. Matthew 24. You ready to start verse 3? Come on, turn faster. (laughs) It's digital. Just punch with your finger. Verse (laughs) 3. Now, as he sat on the mountain of olives, the disciples came to him, being Jesus, privately. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? Listen to this. And the end of the age. So the disciples pulled Jesus off to the side and they asked him privately, "Yea, Jesus, tell us about your second coming and, and tell us about the end of the age. Now, when they ask Jesus, tell us about the end of the age, we need to pay very close attention to the first words that come out of his mouth. It's like when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Pay attention to what he's getting ready to say. And now they just ask him, hey, Lord, Teach us about the end of the age. So now, zero in. What does he say? The first words out of his mouth are take heed or be careful, be aware that no one deceives you. What does he talk about at the end of the age? The first thing out of his mouth about the end of the age is beware there's going to be mass deception. Be on the lookout. Because there's going to be a mass wave of deception. Take heed. Be careful. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many or few? Will deceive many or few? If he will deceive many, many. Think about that. Many people will be deceived in the end of the age. If many are going to be deceived, I'm going to submit to you something that may shock some of you. When it says many will be deceived, most people in the church think it's those people out there. It may be some people out there, no doubt about it. But I am more convinced that the church, people sitting in church every single day will fall into this category of the many that will be deceived. I'm not happy about that. I'm not bragging about that. I'm just saying we have not put ourselves in a position to be educated by the Bible. We just thought coming to church was the kingdom. I got to wake some people up. Coming to church is not Christianity. Coming to church is what Christians do. I don't come to church to be a Christian. I come to church because I am. The kingdom. We got to move on. That was a good point, but I got I to <laughs> let it run around the track. Deceive many when you hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you do not be troubled. For all these things must come to pass. Come on, we're talking about the end of the age. But the end is not yet what's going to happen at the end of the age. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences. Anybody know what pestilence are? Those are plagues, diseases, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Oh, great. That's just the beginning. I'm feeling encouraged already, Chad. Please tell me more. (laughs) I will tell you more. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Wow. I'm getting more encouraged all the time about being a Christian. And you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Stop. I can't take any more. And then many will be offended. Are we in a time where anybody's offended in this world? Oh, my goodness (laughs) sakes. I promise you, some will be offended before you walk out. (laughs) Many (laughs) Many will be offended and will betray one another. What's that mean, betray? Betray means they'll roll over on somebody. They'll surrender them to somebody else. They'll turn them in. You say, well, that's only bad people. Let me tell you what the Bible says. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus speaking about the end of times. He says, now brother will deliver up brother to death. And father, his child, children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Brother giving up brother, fathers giving up their own children, children turning on their parents. You've got to be kidding me. How will that happen? Because they will be deceived. This is the level of deception the Bible is talking about. People will be, how many of you have thought over the last 18 months or so that how in the world could people think that way? At some point, it crossed your mind that you had that thought. How could people think that way? They'll be so deceived that they'll think, I need to roll over on mama and turn her in to die. A father saying, go ahead, take my kids. How crazy is that? Bible. It's going to happen. Betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive. Many or few. This is important. False prophet. What's a false prophet? Person that's a prophet, but they're false. Like that's deep, Chad. Thank you. Very intellectual. Here's what I mean. When we think false prophets, we think someone who's going to turn us to worship Satan. That's not false prophet. You could modernize, modern day terminology there would be false pastors. False teachers. How are they going to deceive many? They're going to deceive many because people that are going to want a certain kind of message taught to them. And so they're going to deceive them into thinking, go this way. And Jesus is going to say, go this way. But they're going to be using their Bible, and they're going to be preaching from the pulpit, and they're going to deceive many, and they will not be aware of what's going on. They will not know which way to go, and they're going to be confused and deceived in that day. Will they still go to heaven? I don't know. That's not my job. I'm just saying they will be deceived by false prophets. So it's important who we listen to. Yes. So look what it says. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached and all the world is witness. He who endures to the what? Amen. To the end. It is time, Christianity. Church, I'm going to speak to this with all the love and affection that I can. It is time for us to realize that the gospel or the doctrine of Jesus trumps the doctrine of our denomination. Yeah. We've got to realize that the doctrine of Jesus, if you follow it in scripture, says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Not those who have a great start. He who endures to the end. Why do we need to preach this message? Because people need to know they need to endure. There's coming a time where Christians are going to have to endure. We're seeing it right now. Tell Christians in Afghanistan we're not in tribulation times. Tell them that, ah, we're not in a tough time right now. I'm telling you, this is what we got to preach. Endure to the end. Fight. People in Afghanistan, Christians, are showing up to church knowing that the moment they show up, they're going to die because they're waiting on them, and they're going to take their children and behead them in front of them to get them to renounce Jesus but they still show up to church. And we won't come if it's raining. I'm not hating on anybody. I'm just saying we've got to get perspective. We're either in or out. Tiddlywinks gospel's got to go the way of the dodo bird. God's wanting to raise up an army of people who believe in it. Who say, I'm either for Jesus or I'm not. I'm either a Christian or I'm not. Go to Matthew chapter 7. I would throw my Bible, but I love it. Matthew chapter 7. Hurry quickly. Come on, Matthew 7. Stop talking. <laughs> I'm just giving you guys a hard time. Matthew 7. Look what it says. Are you ready? Verse 13. Did I say? Yeah. 713. It says, Enter by the what kind of gate? Yeah. Which gate are we supposed to enter by? Yeah. He's telling us. Jesus is talking. He says, Hey, if you want to get into the kingdom of heaven then you've got to enter through a certain gate. And guess what? This gate is narrow, as we say in Southern Illinois. Narrow. Don't use the W, just narrow. 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 What does that word narrow mean? Restricted tight space. It's crowded. It's uncomfortable. You're going through pinch of attention. people, You know, the people that don't like touching people, you're not going to like the narrow gate because it is shoulder to shoulder. Man, everybody's pushing around you, and but it's just going to be uncomfortable because there's a lot of pressure there. But look what he says, entering by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way. It's comfortable that leads to destruction. There's a way of living your life that's broad, it's wide, it's comfortable, and many are going that way, but it leads to destruction. Many, says many, who go in it will go in by it because narrow is the way, narrow is the way, narrow is the gate, sorry, narrow is, narrow is the gate and difficult, ooh, everybody say difficult, difficult, what does the word difficult mean? It means persecute? cause trouble or hardship to press or squeeze. Hello, being a Christian in 2021 and beyond. Narrow is the gate and persecution, trouble, hardship, pressure, squeezing is coming our way. But it leads to life. I would rather go to life pressure, squeeze, uncomfortable, hardship, persecution Then to be over here comfortable and wide and headed to destruction. This is what God's telling us. Which way are you going? Are you going the comfortable way or are you going to go through fat Man squeeze over here? That's a place. That's an actual location. Sorry, people get offended. Go to Revelation 13. Hurry. I got to do this. I got to do this one. got to do this one. I'm going to come back to this next week. If you miss next week, man, oh man, I feel sorry for you. I'm just kidding. am just kidding. If you've never listened to me before, it gets worse. <laughs> Revelation 13, I'm just, I'm just I'm in a weird mood. Last day for my brother, Revelation 13, blame it on him. That's what I did all my life. Just blame it on him. Revelation 13. Pay attention. It says, verse one. This is John on the Isle of Patmos. It says, then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. This is not. Uh, go back to Let No One deceive you series, and, and then the end shall come series. This is not a literal beast with seven heads and ten horns. Chad, that's weird. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. What is it symbolic of? It's symbolic of kingdoms. And there's seven of these. Seven heads represent seven kingdoms. There's seven geographic kingdoms. I don't have time to teach that. We'll talk about it later. And on his horns, ten crowns. His heads, they do a blasphemous name. Blah, blah, blah. All this was incredible. So now, let me jump. Let me jump. This beast, there's another beast coming up out of the earth in verse 11. We'll come back, but I just want to touch on this just to give it some thought because there's some people dealing with this right now. Verse 16. He causes all, how many? No, really. He causes how many? All, All, both small and great, important and not important, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. What kind of wisdom? Not the wisdom of this age, but the wisdom of his age. Wisdom of God. I'm telling you there's a difference. We have to dig into this to get the wisdom that's going to tell us things to come. We have an advantage We know. Here's wisdom. He's playing it out for us. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. What is the beast? Remember, the beast is not an animal, it's a kingdom or a governmental entity. People say this to me all the time Chad, you're just getting political. I'm not getting political. The days of politics and Bible being in separate corners are over. We are going to walk out the Bible right before our face. It's being biblical, not political. When people are scared to talk about current, issue, current issues because they're afraid of being political, they're being timid and cowardly about the things of the Word of God, and people will be, be deceived. I will not be in that camp of just being afraid of whether you like what I'm saying or not. I have to answer to my God on what I'm saying. And my heart is for people not to be deceived not to get fans, not to get followers, not to be famous. I'm not trying to be popular, I'm trying to be accurate. He causes all both small and great, rich and poor, to receive a mark that no one may buy or sell like someone who has the mark on the name of the beast or the number of the beast. Here's wisdom, here it is. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, his number is 666. I'll say this quickly. And then I'll come back to this probably next week. People have asked me multiple times, Chad, so is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Let's just go ahead and jump with the pink elephant in the room. My answer is no. Everything that I know biblically, this vaccine that we have currently is not the mark of the beast. But I believe with everything in my heart, it is a mark of a beast. What do I mean by that? Here's what I'm going to say. Be careful. I'm not saying anyone who has taken the vaccine that I'm against you. Not at all. I'm saying what we are for, position as a church, is for the freedom for everyone to do whatever they feel like they need to do. And if you feel like getting this vaccine, then I'm not, I'm not bringing any judgment on any individual and I'm not shading it. That's why I'm saying this vaccine is not the mark of the beast. What's happening is a system is being developed to prepare us for the mark of the beast. It's preparing us. It's softening us up. The blows are coming to condition us and prepare us because right now in certain countries, you cannot buy or sell unless you have been vaccinated. Now again, I'm not saying we're we're not creating a church of division of vaccinated versus unvaccinated. We want everybody all in the same group. See, we've got to have an ability to disagree on issues and still love one another. Can we bring that back into the body of Christ? Can we bring it back? Can we we have an openness? If someone wants to come to church every Sunday and wear a mask, please bring it. Wear your mask. No one's going to hate on you. If you feel that yourself, that's just the enemy lying to you. Because no one's here to judge you. want to walk in love. But here's what's happening. They're conditioning. There is coming a day. Mark, Mark my words. Revelation 13 is coming. Whether you think this is here now or not, that can be debated. Some people say, absolutely, this is the mark of the beast. I don't think it is, but I believe it's coming. Because I believe the Bible's true. I believe right now I heard in America on a major news network, an anchor say, that's fine. If people don't want to get the vaccine, that, that's good. Then they will not get, be able to go to the store. They will not be able to go to the mall. They will not be able to go to public events. Neither buy nor sell. When I heard that, I said, Revelation 13, it's coming. Is this it? No, please, don't get mad. Don't get mad. Oh, so you're, you're I'm not against people who've chosen to get the vaccination. That's fine, it's a personal decision. I feel like I could throw out all the disclaimers, right? We're we're not against that. We're against the mandating of it across the board and saying people have no choice. I'll firmly stand against that policy. I'm not asking you to applaud, I'm not asking you to applaud because some of you won't and that's okay. It's a personal decision. Here's what, what I feel like God's wanting us to emphasize. There's coming an end of this age, and I'm speaking to the church to tell you, we're going to have to make some tough decisions, and if we can't make tough decisions now, are we going to be able to make tough decisions later? I. I'm not sure what it's like in in Kabul. I'm not sure what it's like to be a Christian in Afghanistan right now. I'm not sure what it's like to be a Christian in China or North Korea right now. We, be a Christian in Iran. I'm telling you, God is at move in all of those countries. But we as Christians got to understand that we have a principle to serve God with all of our hearts. And there's coming an end of the age. And my heart is for none of you to miss it. I don't want you to be sons of the wicked one. When it comes harvest time and you say, ah, I'm really not into that. No, it's coming. Because it says many will be deceived. How how are many going to be deceived? How are many going to take the mark of the beast? How are they going to do it? People are fooled into thinking the mark of the beast, will someone come up to you and say, would you like to worship Satan? Yes or no? Uh. Yes, it's not going to be like that. Deception doesn't work like that. Deception sneaks in the back door. Deception says, look over here while it jabs you in the back. Deception is, I thought it was this, but it was really that. The definition of deception means I did not know. I want you to know. (laughs) I want you to know it's coming. So Christians, we got to be Ready? you got to be ready to take a stand. Stand for what's right. Not stand in arguments. This is not mass versus unmasked. This is not vaccine versus unvaccinated. This is a bigger perspective. Sons of the kingdom and sons of the wicked one. And there are sons of the wicked one in operation today in the earth. It's happening. So how do I want to encourage you? You're like, I don't know that this was very encouraging, Chad. I want to encourage you with this. That I'm wanting people to hear my heart. That I'm all in on Jesus. I'm all in. I've told the Lord, whatever it costs me in the coming days, I'm in. I've given up trying to grow a large church. I don't care. I'll give you everything in my my life. I'm not worried what happens, whether we get, whether I go to jail, whether, I don't know whether anything of that happened. that may, may be dramatic. I don't know whether it happened. happen. I just know this. I'm giving him my yes now because I know my yes will be tested. It will be tested because there's coming a time where I may not be able to buy or sell unless I take the mark. And so I want to know in that moment who's going to provide for my needs. I will know in that moment who I'm going to give my heart to. So I don't say to him, well, God, I've got to work. You will neither buy nor sell. Well, that's, that's conspiracy theory. Do you know this? Whenever we start talking about, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't have time to get into it today. Whenever we start pointing out the Antichrist, you know what they're going to say? Conspiracy theory. It's the catchphrase for anything we don't want to try to explain. We can't explain, but we're just negating your thoughts. I have really no justified explanation why you're wrong. It's just conspiracy theory. I have no intelligent answer for your thought. I'm just going to call it conspiracy conspiracy theory so I can dismiss dismiss it and discredit it. But I'm telling you, when I start talking about the Antichrist and where he's coming from, here's two things that will happen. Number one, they'll say it's political because he will be a political figure. Number two, they'll say it's conspiracy theory because they think it's crazy. And I will be called cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And I will say, I don't care. That is the Antichrist. That is the mark of the beast. Oh, it's not either. Here is wisdom. Here is wisdom. Check out his number. Next week, I'm going to drop something in your lap. I'm not going to do it today. Be prepared. Not for me. Don't follow me. Please, don't follow Chad Everett. Follow this book. All of your heart, because I want to be prepared that if someday, like they're doing in Kabul, that if they would ever come to me and say, Chad, you've got a choice. You can either renounce your Jesus, or we will line up your children in front of you, and one at a time, we will take off their heads. I promise you what my response would be. I would look all five of my babies in the eye, I said, don't you dare renounce Jesus. We're going to be with him soon. You won't feel a thing. We're going to be with him like that. We're going to spend all eternity with him. Come on, don't you dare deny Jesus because I will not deny him for you. They said, you renounce him right now or we'll kill you right in front of your kids. I said, take me. Your your punishment is you're going to send me to be with Jesus? (laughs) Come on, let me put my head down for you. Send me home. You're like, that's, that's, that's not the way it would be. I'm telling you, you've got to get convicted in your heart. You've got to have something in your heart. I love my wife. I'd give my life for her today. I would give my life for every one of my kids today, but I will not give up my Jesus for them. I won't do it. I won't give it up for them. That's not to minimize them. That's not to put them down. That's not to put them down, but nobody's done for me what he's done for my life. He changed me. He's not a concept for me. He's not a crutch. He's not a theory. He's not not just a religion. He's a person that lives on the inside of me, and he changed me. Oh. (laughs) I'm sorry. He's everything to me. I'm not everything. I'm not perfect. I'm a flawed human being but Jesus is all I have. And I'll go to my grave preaching the truth of this word and telling every single one of you, give your heart to Jesus. Give your life to him. Repent right now under the conviction of the Holy Spirit say, I don't want to be a son of the wicked one. I want to be a son of the kingdom. Jesus, his love for you It's unimaginable. It's not about just getting out of hell. Friend, it's not about, hey, come serve Jesus so you don't go to hell. Never once did Jesus evangelize people by saying, come follow me so you won't go to hell. Never once did he evangelize like that. He evangelized by this saying, come to me and I will give you life and life more abundantly. Come on, come with me, he said.